When referring to a person, a humbug means a fraud or imposter, implying an element of unjustified publicity and spectacle. In modern usage, the word is most associated with the character named Ebenezer Scrooge. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1992 American musical fantasy comedy drama, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Based on the novel Push by Sapphire. (laughs) Charles Dickens' greatest accomplishment. Uh, uh, but yes, we are reviewing. Uh, is this our first like Muppet Muppet movie? Well, we did Labyrinth, not which was very similar yeah. in a lot of ways. But as far as Muppets, yeah. Wow, I'm glad that this is the first one that we're reviewing because th- I forgot how much I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was recommended to us by one of our uh, listeners, Cooper. Uh, so, Cooper, thank you so much for suggesting this. Uh, if you'd like to suggest a movie that you'd like to hear us review, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And uh, make your suggestion. We would love to hear them uh, because this is great. So thanks, Coop. Just to refresh your memory, let's give you guys a little synopsis. Uh, so, well, actually, let me give you a little bit of background on the Muppets. So the Muppets uh, have a long history of... Um, existing um they the muppets are a a group of these uh characters that were created by a jim henson uh i want to say like in the 60s uh and you know the muppets are like you know um kermit the frog miss piggy Fozzie bear gonzo rizzo um the all those characters are like the muppets and um they made their uh film debut um in appropriately called (laughs) The Muppet Movie. In um, 1979, they had The Muppet Show in 1976. Um, But they've been making movies for a really long time. And The Muppet Movie was the Muppets playing themselves in a biopic. And then The Great Muppet Caper uh, that came out in 1981 was when the Muppets were kind of playing a role but also as themselves. So imagine if Brad Pitt were in a movie playing Brad Pitt as another character. And uh, that's basically what the Muppets uh, have done. And that's what they did um, in this movie. And I I forgot that that was like a thing that they did. So it's mm-hmm. like Miss Piggy playing as herself as uh, Cratchit's wife. I just thought that was just so... <laughs> fun to like realize like the layers um if you watch some of the uh behind the scenes featurettes uh kermit the frog is talking about like how um you know so uh, miss piggy uh, plays my wife and i just want to remind everyone that this is just a movie it is just a movie it is just a movie it's, <laughs> it's just like these guys are like so deep in character it's just Oh, it was great. Yeah, we saw a little bit of that with Space Jam, where we had Bugs Bunny getting top billing. But, right. But with this, it's they're getting top billing, but they're also playing characters. Right. So, yes. So, this movie is a retelling of the classic um, 18, is it 1800-something, rather? Yeah, 1843 
uh, novel, A Christmas Carol. It's been uh, remade over 20 times in film, um, over hundreds of times in all forms of media. Uh, in fact, the earliest version of A Christmas Carol, I want to say, is like in the early 1900s. I just think as soon as like film was available, they're like, you know what we need to do? Christmas Carol. Hmm. Uh, and so um, this movie came about um, shortly after uh, Jim Henson's death. Um, in 1990, um, Bill Haber approached uh, son of Jim Henson, Brian Henson, with the idea of filming an adaptation. And he's like, uh, Christmas Carol's the greatest story ever told. You should do that. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a, a solid, great Bill Haber impression. Thanks. I worked uh, a lot on that. Uh, spent most of the time researching Bill Haber interviews. <laughs> and so, and Bill Haber had already sold the idea to ABC, and they said, sure. Um, and so, Jerry Joel uh, was hired to write the script and decided to actually have Charles Dickens be in the movie as a stand-in character, which is, I think, the first time that had happened in any adaptation. Usually, Charles Dickens does not make an appearance in A Christmas Carol, and this is, like, I think, the first, if not only, time that that has ever happened. Right. Um, And so, that happened, and uh, originally, um, Muppet characters were going to be written to play the different ghosts. It was going to be um, Scooter, Miss Piggy, and Gonzo as the ghosts. But they decided to make new Muppet characters um, to better fit the narrative. Um, And so all the uh, different ghosts were like newly created Muppets, Uh, especially the Ghost of Christmas Present, which I remember as a kid seeing this behind-the-scenes featurette uh, where they were like using robotics to like make him have all these facial expressions and like move in all these different ways, and like this is one of the most complicated things. Um, <laughs> it's a huge puppet, yeah, massive, and uh, it was just really cool to uh, see that. The ghost crazy of Christmas things. past is pretty crazy too. Oh my gosh, I don't remember her being as creepy as as she seemed in this. Uh- and I, I was trying Uncanny to figure out how Valley. they were actually doing it. And they they designed a special kind of puppet to operate in a tank of water and then green screened those scenes into the film. And so that's how you get that wavy, ethereal feel. I thought that was so cool. Because her mouth still moves like a puppet. But yeah. know, puppets don't move that way. How is that happening? Water. What is happening? What am I looking at? No, that I thought that was just so awesome. And that puppet, I, I definitely um, don't recall having nightmares. Um, but I did this time because that puppet just hit that uncanny valley. It's just like, you look just not real enough to be unsettling. <laughs> but the effects are cool. Lovely effects. But yeah, so once the script was written and submitted to ABC, uh, Walt Disney was like, hey, let's make this a feature film. And they made the way for other movies to do the same thing like Hocus Pocus because uh, it originally was supposed to be a TV movie and it ended up getting a feature film release. It's also the first feature film to be released after the death of Jim Henson which mm-hmm. is pretty huge and they mentioned that at the top in loving memory of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt um, who also was a primary 
performer on the Muppets. And the two of them were actually the original Statler and Waldorfs yeah. as well, as well as other voices. So, um, and of course, Jim Henson being the original voice of Kermit, this was the first movie where Kermit was voiced by somebody other than Jim Henson. Um, so there's a lot of firsts for the Muppets in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is Brian Henson's directorial debut. Um, something that Michael Caine did not know. Uh, until like halfway through production. He's like, oh, I'm quite impressed. That was my solid Michael Caine impression. Michael Caine. I'm quite impressed. Michael Caine. So the movie uh, did pretty well at the box office. It grossed $27 million. And um, it it would have done better. However, it had to compete with... Um, Home Alone 2, colon, Lost in New York. Oh. So, uh, if it wasn't for that meddling kid, the Muppet movie would have done even uh, better. But it um, also had some success on VHS and home video, and it's become a classic for many. Uh, definitely uh, my favorite adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Um, second only to The Flintstones' Christmas Carol, which is uh, the TV special that they made in the 80s, where Fred oh. is also in a play. Um, I remember it very, very vividly. He was doing all this work for the play, but he was forgetting that his family had, uh, you know, things. And also, Charles Dickens was around during the Stone Age. So, it right. was just... <laughs> Uh, is the ghost of Christmas future just George Jetson telling him they're all going to be turned into fossil fuels? <laughs> that is such a missed opportunity. No. <laughs> oh, man. That's perfect. <laughs> so uh, before we get into our review of it, we're going to give you guys some fun facts. So in an interview, Kermit the Frog stated that the most important piece of acting advice ever given to him was by Michael Caine on the set of this film. His advice... Don't blink. Never blink. Look at me. I'm not blinking. Don't blink. Uh, and also, this movie is the first production to exclude Muppet characters from Sesame Street. All the other Muppet movies had at least an appearance of one Sesame Street character. Interesting. Like Big Bird in the Muppet movie. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and here's the thing that I thought was the craziest thing. So in the background of uh, during the last number, there's a store called Micklewhite. Which is Michael Caine's real name. Michael Caine's real name is Maurice Micklewhite. You know, I thought he looked like a Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. And I know they right? also did that with some of the... Um, there's like a tavern in the background that's just called Statler and Waldorf. Um, right. The original names of Marley and Marley in this. Which, until I read the book in school always thought they were the marley brothers didn't realize they separated out that character just so they could use statler and waldorf yeah and to make an awesome pun um robert marley bob marley get it man that would have been a strange choice if one of them was just like full rastafarian and the other one was still <laughs> <laughs> like in the period commit to the bit <laughs> um, so there was a song uh, performed by Belle uh, voiced by Meredith Braun 
um, during the Ghosts of Christmas past scene, um, and she's singing a song where um, she's basically saying that Scrooge's love for money has replaced his love for her. Um, but the song was cut from the original theatrical edition um, because Walt Disney believed that it wouldn't appeal to young kids. Um, and so it was the song that plays during the credits. But it was added on the VHS edition, but then it got cut again from, like, DVDs. So... Oh. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. So I watched mm-hmm. it on iTunes, and that scene ended, and I was like, I remember that scene being like three times longer. Yep. And it was because of the song. Yeah. I, I remembered her being in it a lot more. Uh, yeah, even Brian Henson um, explained that the reason the song uh, has not been reinserted into the future releases of the film is because, like, he just remastered it and Disney lost the film. Like they just lost the remastered version um, with that song in it. And so apparently if you can find that version, you have a very exclusive copy of um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, just have a VHS player that plays it. Uh, wow. Cause it's not on a lot of DVD or digital versions. So look out for that. Unbelievable. And lastly, Grayson, if you had to guess how many Muppets were in this movie, how many would you guess? 600. Okay. Makes my number not how as close impressive. Was I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> half it uh, and 20. then subtract. <laughs> uh, there are over 280 Muppets um, in the movie. So it could be 600. But I... Because they they did say over, um, but yeah, over two hundred eighty Muppets in the movie, so that's a lot of Muppets. Yeah, but usually when people say that, they mean less than two hundred ninety, <laughs> right? Yeah, over two hundred eighty. So we didn't quite make three hundred, <laughs> right? But it's over, so because you would have said three hundred if it was three hundred, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, a weird choice in the trailer, though, using music from Beetlejuice. Oh my gosh, I was crying laughing at that. It felt like like any time there was a movie that had any ghost in it, there was going to be Beetlejuice music playing in the trailer. <laughs> Casper, Beetlejuice. Muppets, I uh, wish one. Christmas Carol, Beetlejuice. <laughs> but you could definitely see the crossovers between this and when we did Labyrinth. A lot of the same voice actors, um, like mm-hmm. the voice of Gonzo was the same one as Didymus, the uh, knight that rides the dog. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of that where they just the share. Like the, the person who stepped in for Jim Henson to play Kermit the Frog was the voice of the, the four guards with the, the riddles. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, of course, Frank Oz is the voice of everything ever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I love Frank Oz's Miss Piggy. It's my favorite. It's like an angry Maybe. Yoda. <laughs> what did you say to me, frog? <laughs> uh, so, you got some history. You got some fun facts. Let's get into our uh, recap and review. Uh, so... When was the last time you saw this movie? I probably last saw this 
say eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say for me it might have been longer. When I first started watching this movie, I immediately got taken back to sometime in the 90s at a daycare when we were watching this movie. And I remember so many of the scenes um, happening. But now I feel like this time... I was able to actually hear all the jokes because there are so many jokes. Like uh, when the the rats are asking for uh, coal, it's like, uh, can we have some more coal, sir? It's like, yeah, our assets are frozen. I was crying <laughs> laughing. Just like, I didn't get that as a kid. That was too clever for me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. But I'd say like maybe 12 years ago was the last time I probably saw this movie, hmm. which is too long. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it was, it was recent enough to where I wasn't, like, wildly surprised by anything. Um, mm. And also being able to recognize, like, it feels like there's part of this bell scene missing. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's been uh, not super recent, but I also watched it a lot. Like, just the pure number of times I've seen this is yeah. pretty pretty huge. But, yeah, it's um, it holds up. Like it's entertaining yeah. every time. I was like laughing out loud. I love the bit when um, Rizzo is like psyching himself up to jump off the fence and then he forgets his jelly beans. So he just goes <laughs> to the bars and then walks back through. It's just great. Yeah, I I just loved seeing. I mean, anytime you see a Muppet movie, there are just so many things that they are able to accomplish that just don't make sense to me. <laughs> Just like, how did you even think to do this? But um, in this behind-the-scenes featurette, uh, they point out that a lot of the puppeteers have um, worked with each other for like 15 years, so like they know how to like move, like make these scenes. Like the the whole opening scene, you have humans and Muppets like interacting with each other and like uh, passing by one another and having like these very intricate. Um, movements and I'm just like they they just went to so many lengths to like sell this like they bumped the lamp before bumping the lamp was a thing they're like how can we sell these Muppets being real <laughs> and uh, like Kermit the Frog like oh my gosh that's another thing I I distinctly remember as a kid especially being so heartbroken in the future with uh, with Kermit and Tiny Tim yeah. or Cratchit and Tiny Tim. I'm just like, oh my gosh. She's like, he moves a little bit slower now walking home. I'm just like, Kermit, you are breaking my heart. Like, it was just beautiful. I'm just like, the, the, it, it's it's a hand that felt like he it made me feel. And I, I think that's just a testament to the talent of all the um puppeteers and how they can like convey emotion in the little frog it was just beautiful and sad i'm just like oh no no tiny tim it's a beautiful scene the only thing that took me out of it was wondering what would happen if they had a son that was a pig or a daughter that was a frog like why do all the daughters have to look like miss piggy and all the sons have to look like kermit is that how genetics works maybe it is (laughs) Uh, that's uh, that's that's why I learned the biology. <laughs> so when I watched this movie, I rem- I, di- I didn't remember it nearly as well as I thought I would. 
um, because I thought I had seen this movie a lot, but then I realized the movie I saw more was Muppet Treasure Island, and I was waiting for them to say, I'm not Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jim, he's Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Jim, Jim. Uh, and I realized that that doesn't appear in this movie at all. I was like, oh, that's right, that's Muppet Treasure Island. And then I watched the trailer for it. I'm like, no, this is, I watch this movie way more than uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, so I was a little confused at times, but <laughs> it was it was still fun. And it had so many quotable lines. Like uh, my favorite being, uh, the Marleys were dead to begin with. <laughs> um, he just kept on hammering that point home. Like that whole scene, because that's another thing. Um, I completely forgot about uh, Christmas Carol is that like it starts with the Marleys being dead or oh, like yeah. not the it's Marleys but Marley. It's just like but yeah, Marley, Marley's yeah. dead and he was his business partner. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It starts with like a funeral. Dead as a doornail. And I really man, so many labyrinth references passed my brain when uh, he was going to his uh, door and it started turning into uh, Statler or that Warder. <laughs> just like the whole like chain like. Hey, which door are you gonna open up? And then he like the whole ring. Oh yeah, thing. <laughs> and puts it in the ears, puts it in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Just, it just blows my mind how many voices each of these actors do. Like, yeah, the fact that Dave Goles is Gonzo and Honeydew and Bettina and Robert Marley. Then you have Steve Whitmire, who was Kermit, Rizzo, Beaker, that little Bean Bunny character. Uh, Belinda, Jerry Nelson was Jacob Marley, Tiny Tim Cratchit, goes to Christmas Present, like, and then of course Frank Oz again, the voice of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, everything from Miss Piggy to Fozzie to Sam the Eagle, which I always love Sam the Eagle as a character. I, th- <laughs> I think he's just a really funny character. It's the American way. It's the, <laughs> the British, British way. way. <laughs> Love that. I'm just so impressed, like I said before. Like, the fact that the the Muppets are playing themselves as characters is just so fun. Like, uh, of course, uh, Statler and Wardorf or uh, Marley and Marley. Like, it just... Of course they got the role. Like, I'm just imagining, like, all right, who are going to audition for this role? Uh, you guys, you got it. It's <laughs> no one else but you. It was always you, Statler, Walter. That would be a fun, uh, like, vignette to see the Muppet auditions. <laughs> Kermit announces what the next movie is going to be, and they're all auditioning for it. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. I about just lost it when Michael Caine said, Oh, look, it's Fozzie Wig in the Rubber Chicken Factory. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, is that... Did you guys write that line just to see if you can get Michael Caine to say Rubber Chicken Factory? <laughs> it's like, eh, that's that's what it says in the original text. That's just all <laughs> Dickens. <laughs> oh, man. But I love that. And uh, Michael Caine, when he got the role... Uh, he said that he is going to treat this as if it were a Shakespearean play. Like, he's not mm-hmm. going to do anything Muppety or Goofy. And <laughs> Brian Henson's like, yeah, sure, do that. Do exactly that. <laughs> it's like, first time directing, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And I think that's what you have to do for something like this. Like Leslie Nielsen did the same thing for the airplane movies where he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to treat this like it's a drama because some of the best comedy comes from the truth of a dramatic scene. Yeah. Yeah. It was just man, Michael Caine is such a great Scrooge. Like he, I mean, he just sold the, like, I, I, I think this may be the first time where I just started to see Scrooge's shell um, crack a little more through each experience. Um, I feel like most other interpretations, he's fairly dismissive of the ghosts um, through each experience. But but when he's in the moment, he kind of like softens up a little bit, but he's still very resistant. Um, but this time, like when he went to the past, he was like really heartbroken. But he, but when he visits, uh, when he's visited by uh, the ghost of Christmas present, uh, he starts like cracking jokes with them. He's like mm-hmm. eighteen hundred brothers and sisters. Imagine the grocery bill. Like ha ha ha. I'm like, did you, did he just make a joke? Like this is so sweet. And he's like, oh great, I want to play. And he's just like. like He's in the present. And he's like, "Oh, this is fun! Like, I want to play this game." And then he realizes that he's a punchline. I think it's really sad. I'm just like, "Oh, yeah. Scrooge!" Yeah, but while he's joking, it's a lot of fun. Like, yeah. oh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, <laughs> don't you hate it when your employees want more coal <laughs> and time off? I mean, <laughs> I told him you can have time off in the unemployment line. You've been great. <laughs> I'm Scrooge. I'll be selling merch in the lobby. But yeah, I just thought that was, I thought that was a great portrayal of Scrooge. Just like how each interaction, like it really did soften and impact him. Like he Mm -hmm. was impacted by each ghost, um, which I thought was a a great portrayal of it. Ghost of Christmas Future wasn't as scary as I've seen (laughs) Ghost of Christmas Future being portrayed. Um, mm-hmm. even though, uh, Gonzo and Rizzo literally had to leave, like, ooh, this is getting dark. Listen, we'll see you guys in the next scene. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I thought just every choice that they made with the ghosts were very, very strong. Yeah, even aging the ghost of Christmas present is a really cool, mm-hmm. cool bit. It slowly gets grayer and grayer. Yeah. Oh, you hear that? The clock struck head cannon. Head cannon. All right. Head cannon is a part of the show where you are visited by three ghosts. The ghosts of unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie and two other randos. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a Charles Dickens uh, story played by Muppets. So you would think that headcanon would be a little bit difficult and you'd think wrong uh hi mainly came up with this piece of headcanon establishing that like this version of scrooge and the world in which they are living in isn't just a play but it's, it's a real world that scrooge is actually the great grandfather of alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> the actor? <laughs> and that is why he works with the Waynes. And that's why Michael Caine is Alfred in the Dark Knight trilogy. Boom. That's quite a uh, a shift 
in family legacy to being like the richest person in the city to being the butler to the richest person in a different city. Well, that's the thing. My my headcanon is that like his upbringing, they were just so generous that that was like where the trajectory shifted entirely. Um, mm. And that he is generous um, and he is um, dedicated to servitude just to like continue. And I would, and my guess is that like money is not necessarily like an issue for him per se, but it's like, listen, I will like, I am good natured because of the things I learned from my great grandfather's legacy that almost was completely different. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I had a really hard time with headcanon on this for those reasons that you said it's Dickens, it's yeah. Muppets. Kind of paint yourself into a corner at a certain point. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to think about the ghosts, particularly Ghost of Christmas Past and Ghost of Christmas Future, because or Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come, I guess is the official name. Um, but they were performed by the same actor. Uh, like the actual physical movements were performed. Mm. Uh, Jessica Fox did the voice of Christmas Past, but... Um, Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come doesn't have a voice. So, um, performed by the same same actor, it is fun to try to think about. Like, is the state that the Ghost of Christmas Future is in what happens when the Ghost of Christmas Past continues to to age indefinitely? Um, like, at a certain point, does she just lose all form? And so, they are the exact opposite of each other. We're one is very childlike, one is very old, one is very light, one's very dark, one has a voice, one doesn't. Um, like, one has a face. <laughs> and so, just to see how the difference in Scrooge was so stru- stark from when he was a child to being dead. Um, if you are able to extract that and put it into ghost form, I think it would be that these are actually like the same manifestation that they aren't the the ghosts necessarily of christmas like they say that they are but they are ghosts of what scrooge could should is like all these elements of Mm. his own personality that are extracted um including the marley's so like the marley's represent everything that was um i guess greedy or or dark about scrooge Mm -hmm. um and then you have the childlike innocence and then you have um that small bit of him that's able to joke uh and then the future is he he has no face because he's he's a faceless man now he's he's dead and so um looking at the the ghost as actually being part of scrooge himself rather than just these messengers I think helps internalize that message a little more. Yeah, that's interesting. It actually made me think of this piece of headcanon. Um, if we're operating off of Casper logic with ghosts being spirits that have unfinished business and Beetlejuice logic of like how the afterlife has these different parameters and bureaucracies, I'm curious about just exploring the idea that the the because. Marley comes back to warn Scrooge basically from the mm-hmm. afterlife list saying, dude, listen, we got it all wrong. <laughs> Your fate could be ours. 
and you're no spring rubber chicken. So you've got to change your ways. I know some guys, they're going to help you out. They've got this three-step program that's sure to make you better. We will splurge on another package, but again, we have a lot of chains to deal with. What if the, the Marlies did it selfishly because they are like dragged away like they weren't supposed to be there in the first place, mm-hmm. like the chains catch up to them? What if they thought that the Ghost of Christmas Past would be able to actually change time, not just show it to them? So that they themselves could have been saved. Ha. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. I like that a lot. Joke's on them. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder, like, if going back to the whole Casper Logic thing, like, I wonder what unfinished business all those spirits would have. I feel like, because I feel like the Ghost of Christmas Present, whatever his thing is, is like, just living for the day. Like, that's like his, because he, like, basically at the end of the day, he kind of, dies but also he's living groundhog's day that's why he was so stuck in the present oh my goodness the ghost of christmas present is bill murray and groundhog's day that's why he's so good at the piano <laughs> lives and dies every day I, had, I don't think i ever realized that <laughs> in the christmas carol i think ghost i think ghost of christmas past is that she never grew up Ghost right. Christmas present is that he never was able to have lasting relationships because he's just moment to moment. Uh, and then Ghost of Christmas Future, it's too late by then. All right. So now, maybe my favorite segment that we're going to have today uh, recast and remake. Uh, <laughs> this is a part of the show where we talk about if this movie were to be remade today, who would we cast? And if it were to be remade, with a different cast, who who would it be? A Muppet Christmas Carol has a very specific cast uh, that is available to have for a Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> so uh, I guess we're kind of doing like role swapping. Um, I would love it if they had more Sesame Street characters in the Muppet cast. Because um, mm-hmm. they are still like Muppets, even though they are Sesame Street characters. Um but I would love it if um, if it was uh, Oscar the Grouch was Scrooge. Oh, that's great. And Michael Caine was Cratchit. I just switched the roles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just think that would be a ton of fun. Um, and then Elmo is Tiny Tim. Oh, that'd be good. God bless like- us, everyone. <laughs> You can tickle them, but not too hard. <laughs> For recasting, I would like to see Peter Capaldi as Scrooge. Ooh, oh, yes. I think he'd be really great. He'd be amazing. And probably Bugs Bunny as Gonzo <laughs> as Charles Dickens. Yes! And Daffy Duck as Rizzo. Uh, yep, I love that. Love all of that. And uh, and Snuffleupagus as the Ghost of Christmas Present. I would like to see, this isn't Christmas Carol, but to see the cast of Sesame Street do something in a similar time period, um, mm. but for Sherlock Holmes, and have it called, Can You Tell Me How to Get to Baker Street? <laughs> it would be really interesting is if they switched uh, the ghosts from being Muppets to like just different guest stars. Actually, it's just all Whoopi Goldberg. Like, do you remember she was 
she basically played God in that other Christmas uh, Muppet Christmas special. I can't say I do remember. Oh, that. all right. So there's this other uh, Muppet Christmas uh, special. Yeah, it's called. It's a very Muppet Christmas movie that came out in 2002, and it starred Whoopi Goldberg as Daniel's boss. Um, Daniel was played by David Arquette, and uh, he was an angel. Well, here's the premise: On Christmas Eve, an angel petitions God to send help for Kermit the Frog, who has lost all hope after losing the Muppet Theater. The angel being David Arquette, uh, and God being Whoopi Goldberg. Wow. What is the lease agreement on that Muppet Theater? It feels like they're (laughs) always losing it. It is... I I just think they have a bad bank. (laughs) Last recast remake thing, Fly the Concords as any of the ghosts. (laughs) That would be amazing. Ooh, no, I want Jermaine to be Scrooge. No, Brett. I want Jermaine I want Brett to be Scrooge. Brett to be Scrooge, and then Jermaine would be all the ghosts, including Marley, and then that's where they could do the Bob Marley reference. There it is. Perfect. Just yeah. make the Fly the Concords Muppet Christmas Carol we've been begging for. <laughs> you hear that, Hollywood? You hear that, Disney? It writes itself. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up since uh, Brett did the music for the, the Muppets like revamp yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. I love his music. All right. Well, the podcast has struck three, which means it's time to give you guys our reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, why would you recommend The Muppet Christmas Carol? It's a great uh, modern retelling of a classic without setting it in modern times. Mm. Um, So it still feels like it holds up within the time period and the language makes sense. And there's a ton of source material that they just use directly. So... Uh, on a certain level, it's educational for children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing my wife noticed when she was watching it, because she really she may have seen it, but she didn't really have any memories of it. And she was like, wow, this is using so much of the actual book, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Uh, I feel like a lot of other studios would have shied away from that and just thought it'd be over the kids' heads. But uh, it treats its audience with respect in the way that it uh, lays out this story. And then um, Michael Caine, is, he just holds it together so well. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he wanted to do it in a very like classic Shakespearean almost performance where it's like he is, he's acting in a drama. Like he is welling up in scenes. He lets his guard down and has fun. Like his range of emotions while playing what is typically a very stoic character is very engaging. And you you go on that journey with him. And uh, every time I watch Michael Caine, I look to see if he blinks. And he doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't blink. Which is why I think Michael Caine should be the next Doctor. Absolutely. He'd be the best around the Weeping Angels. Weeping Angels have nothing on (laughs) Michael Caine. (laughs) They just see him like, oh, that's Michael Caine. Scatter! (laughs) (laughs) I wish we could, but he won't blink. Ah... Yeah, um, yeah, I totally recommend this movie. If you like Muppets and Christmas, there's kind of no other movie out there for you, uh, <laughs> especially a Christmas Carol. This, I mean, seriously, this movie is—it's uh, a classic. It, um, you know, it came out in '92 um, and has been a Christmas staple for many um, because just this version of a Christmas Carol just has so much humor and heart in it that I feel like only the Muppets and Michael and Michael Caine can 
uh, deliver. Um, I, I, I mean, there are tons of adaptations and, uh, you know, tons of especially comedy adaptations. Um, but I feel like this really uh, captured um, the, the spirit and the heart of um, the original text uh, by adding in, you know, uh, Gonzo as the um, narrative device. Um, and it's just, it's fun. It's great for just everyone. And uh, it's so many great songs. We, I don't think we touched on it that much, but the music in it is fantastic. And it's just a joy. I mean, the, there's a certain magic that happens when you have Muppets in a movie. Um, and you just, you just, it's a, it's a warmness that's good and that's fun. And uh, I couldn't recommend it more. So that is our review of The Muppet Christmas Carol. Let us know what you remember of The Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, what's your favorite moment from the movie and other things like that on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this review specifically on iTunes. Open up the, your podcast app, search for us tap on our icon then hit the review tab and leave us a review on a scale of one to five humbugs what's your favorite uh victorian <laughs> swear word and be sure to tune in next time right here on the flashback flicks retro movie podcast until next time remember to be kind and rewind